good evening and happy Wednesday. For those of you that don't know, I did a trial sermon at my church this past Sunday. And I wanted, well, I had some requests um, to put it onto my podcast for those that weren't there so they can hear what I shared. They wanted to hear the message. Uh, So that is what I decided to do. Um, The scripture that I used, um, I'm not going to read the whole thing. I actually highlighted uh, three verses in it. But the scripture that I used was 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 17 through 31. And I'm highlighting 17, 18, and 31 for you guys, okay? So it says this, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. That is verse 17. Verse 18, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. And verse 31 is, Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Okay, again, that is first. Corinthians chapter 1, 17 through 31, but I highlighted 17, 18, and 31. Okay, so my message started out like this. Before I get into the message that I've been summoned to share with you all today, I want to start out by telling a little about myself and how I've come to stand before you today. I was born and raised in Syracuse, New York. I am the second oldest of my parents' five children. I am a single mother of five kids. I came to Florida with my parents as a teenager and my daughter and stayed for a few months, decided I didn't like it here and made my way back to Syracuse, New York. And after several years and two more babies, I found out that I had stage four ovarian cancer. I was in my early 20s. The pain would get so bad. All I could do was curl up in a ball and pray the pain would go away because the medicine wasn't helping that I was prescribed. I finally called my mom, who was still living in Florida, and told her that I was sick and I wasn't able to do a lot of stuff on my own and take care of my kids. So she decided to come up and get us and bring us back to South Florida. Before we left, she made a call to my aunt that is on my father's side and she met us before we left the state and did something that changed the whole course of my life. She prayed for me. That was back in 1999. Statistics show that women diagnosed with stage four ovarian cancer have a five-year survival rate of 17%. I had to get clearance from my doctors to leave the state and one of the requirements was that I get checked out by a doctor once I reached South Florida, which I did and the news that I received was they found no cancer. I wish I could tell you that that was the only time that I experienced a life-altering situation. I am a firm believer that God will use certain circumstances, certain situations in our lives to grab hold of our attention and seek to have a conversation with us. But many of us aren't tuned into that frequency and miss out on hearing from our Heavenly Father and what it is He is trying to tell us. One day as I was sitting at my desk in the office that I shared with my best friend, who was my manager at the time, a strange feeling came over me and my eyes began to roll back in my head. I called out to my friend and let her know that something was wrong and that I needed for her to call the ambulance. As she was on the phone with the ambulance, I began to pray and ask God to help me with, help me, whatever this was, just help me. 
The ambulance came, took me to the hospital, they ran tests, said nothing was wrong and it was probably stress and sent me home and told me to rest for a few days. Went back to work looking like a zombie and white as snow. I clearly didn't look like myself and everyone took notice. I would get those same strange feelings and go back to the hospital only to be sent home again. Long story short, I got tired of going back and forth to the hospital so I went to the only one I knew could help me and that was God. One night after getting my kids ready for bed, I closed myself up in my room and read my Bible and prayed like my life depended on it. This time, a different kind of feeling came over me. It was a feeling that everything was going to be all right. I was instructed to get some rest, wake up in the morning, go to the hospital, tell them specifically what tests to run, and don't leave until they did. So that's what I did. But guess what? The emergency room doctor refused to run the test. And this is what I told him. Look, you may think I'm being rude, but you're playing with my life and I am refusing to leave. So you're going to have to call the police and have them drag me out of here. He kindly admitted me that day. Once I got to my room and they came to run the test they should have ran in the emergency room, the doctor assigned to me came to give me the results. And the moment he walked in the room and I saw his face, I knew something was wrong. He said, Miss McCarthy, if you would have left and went home, you would be dead. It was then that I decided to change my life. God was clearly looking to have me do something and I needed to find out what it was. We have many references in the Bible when this needed to take place. I need you to change from your wicked ways. Second Chronicles 7:14. I need you to pick up your mat and walk. John 5, 8. I need you to stop sleeping around, get you a husband of your own. John 4, 17, 18. I need you to lead my people to the prom to the promised land, to their land of milk and honey. Exodus 3:17. Can I tell you this has been a journey in itself? Getting to this place, getting to where God says you need to be is always going to be a journey. The enemy doesn't want you to succeed, so he is going to do everything in his power to stop you, distract you, and when that doesn't work, he tries to take you out. If you're not under attack and don't have stuff being thrown at you left and right, then you want to check your circle and examine who you're rolling with. Because if you're rolling with the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the one that sent his only begotten son, then you will have some trials and tribulations. You will go through those crushing seasons and take up residence in the wilderness. Many of us are still not fully grasping the power that we receive from God. We are still walking around like we don't know who we are and whose we are. The power that God has in our lives. Now, if we, now if we just commit to him and we just commit to the process of walking with him, allowing him to make our crooked path straight, allowing him to create in us a clean heart, a renewed mind, a cleansing of our body to get us clean from all the dirt we've allowed to attach itself throughout the years. God is looking for those that are willing to go outside of themselves and go out into the world and round up his children that have gotten lost in the world and let them know it's time to come back home. God is looking for willing vessels who will listen and know his voice and will follow his commands and go forth with the assignment they have been given. Just like Jesus did with the disciples. Jesus went out seeking willing vessels and showed them how and what they were to do. So when the time came to go out and be fishers of men, they were prepared. They were equipped. Were they perfect? No. Were they without flaw or blemish? No. But they were willing. 
Did Peter know how to walk on water? No, but he was willing. Did the disciples know how to cast out evil spirits? No, but they were willing. Being willing also means you're open to being taught, being shown the proper way of doing things. Like when Jesus told them, these only come out by fasting and prayer. Everything may not be as simple as you as we think. It will require an extra step from us, and that's why we have to be willing to go the extra mile. But guess what? We will also have to be obedient. I want to tell you about a time when I was given an assignment that was way too much for me to bear. October 11, 2017, my grandfather died from terminal, terminal dementia. Now, terminal dementia, there are seven stages. Okay, the last stage is when you know time is getting close. Statistics show that the person that has this terminal dementia has 2.5 years to go through this stage. But my grandfather advanced in a matter of days. So when I got the assignment that I was going to have to be the one to go and pray for him, pray for his soul, pray for his spirit, um, you know, I did go there. I went there um, actually two days before he passed. Um, and the first day I got there, you know, I walked in a room and I, you know, could not take what I was seeing, you know, because my grandfather, he was a tall man. He was over six feet tall. And, you know, I'm just used to seeing him up and around and just, you know, um, doing things. So just seeing him laying there in the, um, in that hospital bed um, and him just not looking like himself. And, you know, I'm a little, oh, I'm about five, five. He looked like he was my height. And, um, you know, he just did not appear to be himself, you know. Um, and it was hard for me to, you know, uh, look at him and just, uh, you know, get my mind right on being able to do what I was, you know, sent there to do. Um, and then a lot of other things were going through my head, you know. Um, you know, no one's perfect. And, you know, families, they have issues and things like that, you know, but he was still my grandfather. So I didn't, you know, actually pray for him that day. I ended up leaving and I was not able to eat. I was not able to sleep. You know, it was, God, it was like, you know, I sent you there to do something and you're, you basically disobeyed me. You know, I sent you there to, you know, pray for someone that I, you know, needs the prayer and you're not going to do it because you're in your feelings, you know? So that whole day I was, you know, just back and forth, couldn't sleep, couldn't eat. And I'm just like, okay, I'm going back tomorrow to get this thing done. So I get there the next day and while I'm standing there praying for him and again I, I want to let you guys know terminal dementia at the stage that my grandfather was in he was not able to talk he was not able to walk um he could look at us you know we didn't know if he could really see us or whatever because you know uh, you know he wasn't himself so um as I'm standing there praying you know and um something happened something happened that shocked me it threw me off you know but uh, it was something that needed to happen. I needed to see it. So he actually sat up in the bed, which that is like unheard of having that, uh, you know, terminal dementia and the stage that he was in is unheard of. You know, he, there was physically no way that he can do that. 
so I took that as you know a sign from him and God it's like hey my grandfather's saying okay thank you for doing this and God is saying okay thank you for being obedient so saying that do you think I would be standing before you today if I wasn't obedient to God if I didn't heed to his voice when he told me to go pray for my grandfather how can he send me out into the world to dismantle strongholds crush serpents and bind up the enemy if I couldn't pray for the soul of my grandfather yes I may have grumbled and complained yes I left that day but I went back the next he allowed my grandfather to hold on one more day because he knew my heart he knew I would go back. I just had to get my mind right. I couldn't go in there the way I was that day. I wouldn't have heard his directions and allow the Holy Spirit to lead me if I was all in my emotions. It's time to get your mind right. It's time to get your emotions in check and allow the Holy Spirit to lead you. Many of us release or forfeit our power and hand it over to the enemy because we don't believe that we are worthy of it. We've allowed what our haters have said about and to us and to lead us down a path of destruction we are still giving the enemy full access into our lives and believing the lies that he whispers in our ears and therefore relinquish in our rights to the power of god speaking defeat allowing our emotions to control us and dictate our day life relationships you must have forgotten that the enemy your enemy and mine only comes to steal kill and destroy our Heavenly Father has given us the authority, Luke 10, 19, to crush serpents and scorpions. And you're out here giving away that authority to partner with the enemy because he somehow promised you the world. We found out in Matthew 4, 1 through 11, that the enemy tried his hardest to tempt our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, but he got shot down. Jesus had been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights and he appeared weak and the enemy decided to make his move. But guess what? Jesus was still ready and equipped to take him on. Some of us can't fast for one day. We'd be crying. When did food become more important than your place in the kingdom of God? Your inheritance. You want answers to your prayers, but won't follow the guidelines that Jesus came and laid out right in front of our eyes. Do you remember how Jesus shot him down with the word of God? That's your number one weapon against the enemy, your Bible. Each and every time he comes to you with his lies, you tell him what the Bible says, what God says, what Jesus says. How many of us fall victim when we're at our lowest points in life? I've come to remind you to be on guard because the enemy is near and waiting to see who he can devour. Men and women of God, be on guard, be aware of your surroundings and of those that are creeping their way into your inner circles, your friend zone. They come to you smiling and calling you friend, their woman, their man, and all the while silently plotting to take you out. They seek to get you far from God and the purpose he has placed in you, the power to be the woman or man he has called you to be. It's time to realize, one moment, yeah, it's time to realize your power and take it back. You are supposed to be the head and not the tail. Stop allowing the enemy full access into your life. Put your foot down and crush that serpent once and for all. God has placed something in you that only you can deliver, only you can bring to life. And that's the very thing that an enemy wants to get access to so he can use it for himself or bury it where you won't be able to recover it. Take, your, take back your power and shut the enemy down once and for all. 
How many of you are ready to take your power back? Some of you may be asking yourself, how do I do that? You do that by letting the enemy know he doesn't have any more access to you. You know who you are and whose you are, and you are walking into what God has for you. God told me when you begin to stand up to your enemy, when you begin to speak those things as if they were, when you begin to show him you're not scared, when you begin to release every single thing that he has been holding over your head, when you begin to show him that you now know that your words have power, when you begin to tell him that life and death are in the power of your tongue and you've chosen life, when you begin to show him that you are a daughter or son of the Most High God, when you begin to or continue to do these things, you are crushing serpents. You are taking back your power and removing the hold the enemy thought he had on you and over you. It is time to take your power back. We all have a choice. We have the opportunity to receive the power of God in our lives. Deuteronomy 30, 15 and Proverbs 18, 21. Choose how you will speak over the life of the others in your life. There is power in your words. Your mindset has to shift on the things of God. That old man and woman has to be wiped away. You can't walk into the power of God with old residue from your past escapades still seeping out of your pores. Your language has to change. You have to carry yourself differently so others can see the power of God in your life so that it makes them want to come into right standing with God. And that is how the power of God operates. He will take you from all the trials and tribulations that you've had to endure and raise you up to the woman that he needs you to become. You can't continue to walk around with your head down because he is consistently whispering in your ear, you're chosen, I've called you by your name. So I challenge you all today, sir and ma'am, pick up your full armor of God, pick up your helmet, pick up your sword, pick up your shield. Let me tell you how I put the enemy on notice each and every time he thinks he has won. I remind him of who I am and who I belong to. I was a rape victim at the age of 12, but today I stand before you a willing vessel for the kingdom of God. I was a domestic violence victim in my 20s and 30s, but today I stand before you a willing vessel for the kingdom of God. I was an unwed teenage mom, but today I stand before you a willing vessel for the kingdom of God. I was shunned by many in my family, but today I stand before you a willing vessel for the kingdom of God. I've been knocked down, oh, excuse me, I've been looked down on, rejected, pushed aside, lied on, overlooked, and often told I would never be anything. Nobody would ever want me, but I stand here today a winner, a chosen candidate, hand selected, called by my name plucked from the fiery pits and murky waters, released from the grip of the enemy, and cradled in the arms of my Heavenly Father, and placed on solid ground, and still stand here before you, a willing vessel for the kingdom of God. Okay, y'all, that is my initial sermon. The title of that is The Power of God, and this is what I shared on su this past Sunday at my church, and I just shared it with you. So I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned something out of this, and I hope it blesses you. Okay, and so I will speak to you guys next time. I hope you have a great, amazing evening, and the rest of your week is just blessed. Okay, bye-bye.